We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. I just want to take a minute and remind you to check out ConradChallenge.org and look at the kinds of things you can do to support students. The Conrad Challenge is really about facilitating 21st century skills of creativity, collaboration, critical thinking, communication. So go and check that out at conradchallenge.org. And if you missed my interview with Nancy Conrad, go check that out as well at transformativeprincipal.org slash Nancy Conrad. I'm Steve Maletto from Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to Transformative Principle. This is Jethro Jones. I am excited to have Michelle Snyder on from Vista Visions Academy. This is another one of the schools that I visited uh, on a trip recently to San Diego and Denver. And such a great conversation with Michelle here in just a minute. Before I get to that, I'm going to include the audio summary of what we saw and heard while we were there. That was recorded shortly after that happened so that you have this uh, bigger idea of what the school is doing. And this is part of a series on the research that I'm doing in my district for creating a K-12 magnet school. So you can learn more about that by going to k12northstar.org slash k12 magnet. And you can check that out and give feedback and thoughts as well. And we're hoping to get a broad view of things through that process. So here's uh, some intro about uh, Vista Visions and then my interview with Michelle Snyder. Hi, this is Jethro. The information you're about to watch is from the school visits that we did as part of the research 
about creating a K-12 magnet in Fairbanks North Star Borough School District. To learn more about that, go to k12northstar.org slash k12magnet and sign up for the mailing list, see the resources that are already there, and I'd love to chat with you more about that. That's k12northstar.org slash k12magnet. Hi, this is Jethro. Today I'm going to talk to you about the Vista Innovation and Design Academy. This school is located in Vista, California, and we didn't get a lot of pictures of this one because we just were able to swing in and chat with the principal for a bit. So this is another school where the focus is on design thinking, and the uh, teachers use design thinking to help make everything work in the school. So let's talk a little bit about their, this is a magnet school. And their theme is to nurse the creative thinking skills of students and approach learning through the well-renowned design thinking process that will empower students to take what they have learned and apply those skills to create non-traditional solutions to yesterday's, today's, and tomorrow's problems. So this school takes a design thinking approach and a project-based learning approach. So the focus, the vision of the school is we envision sending our students into the world with a creative confidence to solve meaningful problems with empathetic and innovative responses. They'll be prepared with the skills, mindsets, and dispositions necessary to successfully thrive in the future. So they have what is called gills or core values. The grit to persevere, never giving up, innovation through design, prototyping solutions, learning through empathy, seeking to understand others, leading with integrity, taking pride in doing the right thing, and sparking creativity, honoring imagination. What I really loved about this school was that Eric, the principal, took his staff of uh, 40 teachers, and when they became a magnet school from being one of the worst performing and worst culturally schools in the district, they were able to, when they became a magnet school, they uh, gave every teacher the option to leave, and only one teacher left and everybody else stayed. So, this is a good example of a school who takes what they are doing already takes the environment that they're in and then works together as a school community to change that. And that is all because of culture, according to Eric, the principal. They've done a ton of work on empathy, on gaining empathy and teaching kids how to have empathy for others, which is really important. And Eric also sent me a bunch of information that I'll be talking about in the future as it relates to different ways to deal with that. So he talked about dialogical interviews, and that is a way to gain empathy. Uh, Stokes from the Stanford D School, which I'll probably be talking about later, and then they created links on the six dimensions of product design. What they found was that students were not able to create high-quality work because they didn't have the skills or the know-how to do that, and so they had to take some time to do that as well. This school also does a culmination type activity where they take one day and they do a school-wide design challenge day. And that is a, each grade level, sixth, seventh, and eighth does it, does their own thing uh, together and pretty, pretty cool stuff that they're doing at this school. So the, in sixth grade, they do a design thinking challenge that is very structured and teaching the kids how to do it. In seventh grade, it's a little bit more loose. And then in eighth grade, it's basically just a question and then everybody, all the kids need to go 
figure it out on their own. So uh, really cool stuff and really enjoyed being able to uh, talk with this principal, Eric Shigala, and that was a neat experience for us to be able to do that. So that is Vista Innovations and Design Academy. And again, grateful we were able to spend just a short time there getting to know that school. Welcome to Transformative Principal. I am so excited to have Michelle Snyder from Vista Visions Academy on the podcast today. Those of you who are listening heard a brief uh, introduction about what we learned from the school just a moment ago. And so that's a little background. So Michelle and I are going to jump right in. Michelle, thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principal today. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Well, I am happy to have you and excited for the opportunity to talk more about your school. So people have a little background. It's a 612 independent learning school. And so kids are able to come in uh, as they want to. And so I have a few questions that I want to figure out from you and how you're going to make these kinds of things work. One of the things you talked about while we were there was starting doing blended learning in science and English. What is that going to look like in a school like yours where kids can come and go as they please? Yeah. So for science, we have labs. So for example, right now, our science specialist is running her lab bio class this term. And so even though our students do come and go um, kind of with a, a, a lot of flexibility, we do have set lab times. And so our kids are getting a um, part of their content through an online course called Ed, or an online curriculum called Edgenuity. But then they're also coming in for labs, which is huge because they, they come in and they get to interact um, with, you know, live specimens and our science specialist, Jesse is amazing with what she creates for the kids. And the part I like about it is that because our class sizes are so small, these kids are in a lab with like five or six other kids and our advisor. So um, they get a lot of very individualized time and she's great. She's very focused on inquiry based learning. And so she usually leads her labs um, through inquiry. And then because students are inquiring kind of from different angles, she actually customizes each of their labs for them based on kind of where they're going with it and where their line of inquiry falls. So because it's so small, she can do that. Yeah, that's really cool. The One of the challenges of uh, independent learning or online learning, whatever you want to call it, is that students don't have as many of those hands-on opportunities. And that seems like a real shame because those can be so powerful. And so I love that you are bringing those in to be a different way to do things. So, so you basically just set up a specific lab time and say, this is when the lab's going to be, and then kids need to make sure they're there so they can be part of it. But it sounds like it's not required for their uh, ingenuity course to be successful. Is that right? Well, it's technically sort of, I guess, by what our standards are in the district and the state for like a lab bio class, students really do need to participate in a lab. Um, I actually am not sure if the requirement is that they have to be part of a wet lab. I know that Edgenuity does offer some online labs, but they're, they're pretty bad. <laughs> so um, whether it's completely required or not, like basically what we do is we just, you know, if, if a student isn't showing up for labs, we'll call them and just basically convince them that it's worth their while to come in. We haven't had that issue where someone just can't come um, at all yet. But and, and if they miss one, you know, she'll run a makeup lab later in the week. and so. Generally, she she makes that work. Um, as we grow, I guess you know we'll have to have those conversations. 
And I, you know, there basically are things that we can put in place and say, okay, this is independent study, but you, you really do need to be here on these particular days. And generally we get that, we get people, you know, our students are usually pretty good about that. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your students. What kinds of students are attracted to your school and environment? Oh my gosh. It varies so much, but it's always, um, it's always very specific why they come to us. So I've been actually collecting data um, this school year as I've been doing new enrollments because I really want to collect data for our school district for them to see that a lot of our students, if they hadn't found us, they would have gone outside the district to charter schools because they really were looking for something different. So I've been asking these these same three questions um, on this little parent survey that I give each of my intakes. And students come for us for, for, I'll just go through the list. We've got kids who are medically fragile who seek us out because they want a small environment and something a little easier to navigate. Um, so that's one, like I've had students with brittle bone disease and students with Crohn's and, you know, students with migraines, students come to us also for, um, if they have social anxiety or generalized anxiety or depression, sometimes they come because they're overwhelmed at the bigger traditional schools. Then we get students who are just not quite feeling like they fit in at a big traditional school. We have a lot of like really cool quirky kids who just want to be themselves and, and high school, you know, their peers at a big high school don't always allow that to happen very easily for kids. We have students who come in who say, I just am sick of being held back and paced in such a way that I am bored out of my mind. And so, because we allow them to work at a you know, if they want to work faster than our set pace, they are always welcome to do so. So we always have kids who graduate, um, sometimes a full year early and sometimes a semester early because that's what they want to do and they want to get started. We also have students who take a full load with us, but they're just, they're just real go-getters. And they're also taking community college courses at the same time. And it allows them to have that freedom in their um, schedule so that they can work on their high school coursework whenever they want to really, because it's online with the minimal contact, you know, on site with us. And then it frees them up so that they're, um, they're not restricted to just taking those nighttime community college courses. Um, they can take them during the day. We have students who do um, community service or, or like they work during the day, even some of them to support their families. And so we have a lot of students with work permits and um, getting credits for work experience. And we have, we have had in the past, but I don't think we have any right now. We've had um, student athletes or actors and actresses and musicians who need that flexible schedule because they're either training a lot of the time or they're like on tour doing something. So it's very interesting. We have just this huge range of reasons, but they're always very specific. Yeah, it, I find it so fascinating because you are able to attract students who just need something different. So, you know, a kid who's a child actor or uh, on, like, we have a lot of kids who are on competitive hockey teams and they end up missing a lot of school because they're on those competitive hockey teams. And, you know, this, what you're offering gives them an opportunity to still get the education that they need. And when they need it and they're in town, they can go do all the things that you're doing. And when they are out of town, they can still access the curriculum and be successful in their learning, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really the, um, 
that's really the goal is um, to just to make it accessible. And honestly, it's it to me, it just seems like, I mean, I'm, I'll get ahead of myself here, but I'm definitely a fan of changing the way we do education right now. I just, it doesn't work for most of our kids and um, it's really not relevant for a lot of our students. And so the opportunity to have this um, flexibility in our day because we're considered an independent study school is absolutely a gift. I mean, we just, we just go with it and we find so many ways to um, help kids take the full advantage of that. The next thing we're doing, um, just last week, my team and I flew up to Sacramento and we're working with the good folks at Big Picture Learning. And they have invited us to be part of their upstream collaborative. And what that's going to do is allow us to have this community of practice of, of schools like ours that are small. And, you know, it, 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 we just need some people to be able to collaborate with. And one of the things coming very soon as we work with them is they're going to help us start and launch our internship program. We call it an LTI, which is um, learning through interests. And that's another thing that would not be really possible in the traditional high school setting because of the, the strict sort of lockstep bell schedule. So our students twice a week are going to be able to go out into the community and work um, under mentors in internships based on their interests. And, and again, we just couldn't do that in the traditional setting. And our kids are beyond excited for that to start. Yeah, that is really cool. And I love that idea of students being able to do internships because there's so much valuable learning that can happen in that environment that, you know, we shouldn't be restricting kids from being able to access that because of, you know, a bell schedule or something like that, that we can totally give them those new opportunities. Yeah. And it, the relevance there is, is what the kids are really excited about because, you know, your 11th and 12th grade students, they're, they've got a lot on their brains. They're thinking about what they should do next, but a lot of them aren't sure. And so this opportunity to learn through their interests and get out in the real world and actually kind of kick the tires on something and check it out and ask questions and and work closely with a mentor in the industry is I'm just, I can't wait to see what that does for our students. I can't wait to watch that happening. Yeah. And is that something that students organize on their own or through your school, uh, the internship, I mean? Well, we're going to do, we're going to see how it works out best. Um, I do know that our school district has uh, been working with the San Diego, I don't know, I want to say like the workforce partnership. And so I know that some uh, relationships with uh, community businesses and organizations has already like some connections and things have already been made so that some of those things will be easier to set up. But a big part of this, in my opinion, is um, students really acting and having that agency to say, hey, I'm really interested in this. And I noticed that there's a place, you know, I don't know. 10 miles from here. And I went ahead and looked it up and I got the phone number and I found out who the owner is or, you know, and then, so I want them to be as much a part of it as they can or want to be. What I don't want to do is place students in internships and then say, here, you're going, you know, to this bakery for the next eight weeks. And they're thinking, I don't really want to do that. (laughs) Um, So we're, I'm hoping to engage you know, their interest in that way by helping them do that legwork and sort of supporting them as they, as they look for those things that they want to engage in. And so kind of do it together because we want them, we're going to offer them um, a little prep time uh, through an advisory course where we kind of prep them for, you know, making those cold calls and um, introducing themselves and how to, you know, 
hate to say it, but some, it's true. They need it. Uh, how to write a proper email. Right. <laughs> um, and so I just think that'll be really valuable. So um, yeah, well, they'll be partners with us as we work to get them into internships. Well, and what I like about that approach is that it's supporting them in seeking out their own internship is what it sounds like. Yes. Yes. That there's real power in that because you're not like if a kid never is successful at writing a good email, they're not going to get the internship. And that's a good life lesson, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Mean, that's, that's great. It is. And a lot of our students I've found like they, they kind of at first when you say, Hey, I want you to, you know, Hey, we're going to, you're going to call this place of business or this hospital or whatever. And they just like, ah, I don't know what to say. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of kids that just haven't had that kind of experience yet. And, and for sure we get kids who, who do and are very like sharp when it comes to that stuff. But we have a lot of students who just haven't had that opportunity to, to kind of exercise those muscles, so to speak. And so I think it'll be great for them. It's, I think it's confidence building. I think it will help them develop their sense of who they are that, wow, I just did this. I just called this business and I just kind of made a connection and, you know, I can follow through. And I think those are all life skills that are just hugely needed right now with our kids. Yeah, absolutely. So quick story about that. I was talking with a mom and her 15 year old son last week, and I was so shocked how much she was speaking for him. Mm -hmm. He is a slow processor and a slow thinker. But that's like, that's a personality trait. That's not a, that's not saying that he needs special ed or anything like Mm -hmm. that. Just clear. Like he just is a little bit slower and a little bit quieter in how he talks, you know? And so it's not slow in that his brain isn't there. It's just slow in that he doesn't, he's not jumping to have a conversation with anybody. So, you know, we were together for a while and he said very, very little. And what was interesting was that his mom was doing all the talking for him. And that was eye-opening to me because, you know, he actually had things to say, but I saw him defer to his mom on numerous occasions because he knew that she is a fast talker, quick to say things, and was ready and anxious to be the one to say something. And, you know, I I was thinking like, what is what is his experience going to be like when he actually needs to like do his own thing? And what's he like at school? And and all that because he's not at my at my school, obviously. And you know, he's he's got to be able to communicate and talk with people to be successful. And I was just wondering what that would be like for him. And so, like that idea of giving kids the tools and skills and opportunities to take advantage of that and be in charge of their own internship acquisition is really exciting and powerful. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, it's funny that you bring up that story because I see that a lot. You know, we have a lot of very sort of worried parents. And so, you know, they're pulling them out of their traditional school and they find us and they're very, you know, relieved to find us, but they come in and I find that a lot of times the parents are speaking for the kids. And so I understand that from a parent standpoint of like, I'm just really worried about my student and you know, I'm doing what's best for my student. And I think a lot of times the students are willing, they, they want to come, they want to make the change, but I do see that a lot. And so I think it takes a, a lot for parents to be able to step back that way. And so to provide an opportunity like, like this for students where when their parents are not, you know, in the room with them and we're coaching them through how to do this, they're going to gain this, you know, I, I feel like they're going to gain this sense of, 
agency and independence um, by by doing it on their own, and then you know hopefully you know that that translates into other areas of their of their lives as well. But I do find myself, especially in intake appointments, having to be like I'll have that conversation with mom about the kid right in front of me, but then I always make a point to look you know look at the student and just ask a question and. I don't know. The way I do it is usually the parent gets the, the memo. Like I'm, I want to hear from your students. <laughs> and, and I think that surprises them sometimes it paralyzes them sometimes because they're not used to it, but I think it's so valuable. Yeah. Speaking directly to the person that you're working with is really important. You know, when I was uh, in various instances, when I've needed to talk with people um, through a translator, my focus is always on the person that I'm talking to. I don't ever talk to the translator right. and, and that kind of like putting that person that you're working with in the primary position is really important. And that's what you're doing with the kids is, is talking to the kids rather than talking through their parents to them, which, you know, that, that shows a lot of respect and care and compassion for the individual student and, and helps them feel like they can do the things that you're going to eventually ask them to do. I feel the same way. So I'm, I'm really excited to get that started. Um, and hopefully it gets started here in the next month or two. Um, I'm kind of chomping at the bit for that one. And I think our students yeah. are too, because, you know, <laughs> quite, quite frankly, learning online um, is not something I actually, learning strictly online is not something I actually, I don't know, believe in. I, I just think it's, it, it can't be just that. And so when I see our students kind of like, oh, this course is so flat on the screen kind of a thing, you know, I remind them, hey, we have our internships coming and, you know, they have get really excited about it because they're hungry for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and kids and people in general are hungry for those kinds of things. So with these internships and obviously you guys have small numbers of students, so it's easy to, to focus. What and I know your goal is to help your school grow in enrollment. What are some processes that you're putting in place to help you with scaling that up to larger numbers of students? Well, we have a very small staff. So right now it's just myself and two other advisors. And so with that in mind, there's so much more that we want to do that I know will bring enrollment up. But again, we're limited because of the manpower. I mean, it's <laughs> my teachers are amazing and I try to protect them from like so much, you know, just, I don't want them to get burned out because they really give of themselves. So I'm doing a lot of legwork in the background of just, you know, I'm doing, I'm working on some marketing so that we can um, get the word out. Cause a lot of people, even in our own school district, don't realize who we are, what we do. Um, so I'm working on that part behind the scenes. And then really starting to have those really frank conversations with the people in, you know, at the district level in our district, because like many districts, I mean, it's, it's, it makes sense. Their point of view from a, to a certain point is that they look at everything from like a dollars and cents lens. And so it's, well, you have this many students and you get this many teachers. And my problem with that largely is that we're not, we're not a, a big lockstep system and we're not educating kids in batches. We are, we are personalizing with every single student. And so that takes a different level of manpower. So my superintendent stopped in the other day, just surprised me with a quick hello. And she asked me, you know, 
we got talking and I, and I said, I, God, I need a couple more teachers, you know, we need, I need to have, and here's why. And I feel like she totally understands me. It's just a matter of what they can make happen, especially in this day and age of budget cuts. So for that right now, that's, that's my biggest thing. If I can get a few more people and have like sort of the right people um, who would like to be in an educational setting like that um, and get just even two more, I feel like we can make sure that kids are not sort of falling through the cracks. And that's my biggest worry is I don't want to let any student, you know, kind of fall into the background where we're just sort of monitoring them because that's not our philosophy at all. So just this past Friday, we, every Friday afternoon, our students leave at noon and we have the afternoon to collaborate and have our staff meetings and any PD that we're going through. And so we were um, feeling a little overwhelmed, the three of us, about us all trying to keep close track of, of all of our students. And so what we did, we decided we didn't want to lose that whole team approach. We all want to still know what's going on with all of our kids because we get to know them very well, as you can imagine. So we have to put some things in place. Uh, we have a, a, a spreadsheet. We call it the ISS. It's the Individual Student Support uh, Spreadsheet. And each student has their own page on that spreadsheet. So right now we've got about 50 pages on this spreadsheet. Um, but each week as we meet with students, as we have conversations with them, um, as we talk to their parents, as we monitor their online work, any of that, we go into that spreadsheet. It's just kind of an open tab on our computers at all times. And we take, you know, add our notes and write down our concerns so that we can make sure we're staying on top of that. And that is, that is wonderful. And that helps us a lot. We try to have a, a, a quick morning meeting every morning. We call it touchstone. Um, so we touch base on anybody that's, you know, we need to have on our radar list that day, any contacts we need to make, things like that, things we need to be aware of in home situations, that kind of thing. Um, and then, but then on Friday, we took it a little bit farther and we said, let's take all of our kids and let's divide them up by alphabet. And each of us take sort of a caseload of a very close advisory so that we're making sure that kids don't fall through the cracks. And so that kind of stuff, those little tiny tweaks and little tiny little innovations we can make as we're sort of learning and growing, I think are going to ensure that we can still give that same level of care and attention to our students. So that's kind of the stuff we're working on. Um, Other than that, we have, I'm always looking for other options to offer our kids. So, um, and I'm largely doing that through relationships that I build with people and like volunteer kinds of things. We have about 15 to like college students from one of the local community colleges, Miracosta, that are part of a sociology grouping of classes and they do service learning. So um, we just got about 15 of them cleared and they're going to be, um, they want to come volunteer at our school. So we're going to be putting them to work with kids um, in different, we have these little workshops that we call studios and we have students, uh, we've kind of, these college students, we've kind of interviewed them for what are your talents, your passions, your experiences, things like that, your preferences. And we found some really great matches with some of the things we need, little holes that we need filled. So that's one. And then um, our former music teacher who retired three years ago, he just came back yesterday for the first time. He's going to uh, volunteer his time to offer music classes at our school twice a week. So yesterday he had all of our middle school students in there um, learning either guitar, ukulele, or keyboard. And it was amazing. They're so excited about that. So I'm kind of building small, you know, grassroots kind of relationships with people and just seeing what we can bring in. And, um, and then we'll have those things while we have them, you know? 
Yeah, very cool. So so there's a ton of stuff on there that um, is really neat. I love the idea of an individual student support spreadsheet so that you can record notes of students and then having a touchstone meeting each morning. That, that sounds really powerful. So the last question that I ask Michelle of everyone is, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you? What is one thing that a principal can do? I think that the most basic and probably the most important thing that a principal can do is to ask questions of their staff and listen. I think listening is huge and seeing where they can put things into practice and utilize their teacher's talents um, the best by listening to what they have to offer, what they have to say. Um, and, and make and acting when, when possible, because, um, I think teachers are the absolute key to success in the building. You know, our students are utmost importance, obviously, but our teachers, if they're happy and heard and are allowed to just be and offer their gifts in the best way they know how, then everything works. Yeah, that's, that's great. So Michelle, how do people, uh, connect with you and learn more from you? So you can follow me on Twitter. Um, it's at MLSnyder92. And my email is michellesnyder at vistausd.org. Um, and those would probably be the best ways to um, reach out if they'd like to connect. Excellent. Well, thank you so much again for being part of Transformative Principle, Michelle. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jethro. I really appreciate being here. It's great to talk to you. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.